Welcome to the creative brain of Dean Hawk. Get ready to be challenged, inspired, and equipped to become a better ministry leader. Hey, this is Dean. Thank you so much for joining us in our podcast this month. We want to dive into the topic of improving our communication skills. We're going to talk about some things in just a moment, but uh, before we dive into our subject today, I just want to talk about, are you opening church? How is that going? We just yesterday uh, had our second full-on service uh, with public gatherings, and the people are just so excited to be back. I hope that it is going well for you guys as well. Something else I want to tell you about is available at deanhawk.com is a message I just did a week and a half ago, two weeks ago actually, on a message called Healing the Great Divide. As we just took a break from our series and talked about the racial tension, the racial uh, events of our nation, and it's just a, uh, a healthy biblical perspective on what we can do and how we as a church can respond. And so I hope you'll check that out. That is free on dnock.com as all of our resources are. So check that out. All right, let's dive into improving our communication skills. If you saw the title of this and you said, oh, I can't improve, I don't need to really listen to this, you're probably not, but you're probably the one that needs to. I have been communicating the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ for 39 years now, and I am still working to improve, to refine, to grow, and to excel as a communicator. If you want to do something scary, turn on your favorite late night, um, uh, late night about 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning Christian television station where the fees are lower, and you'll see some scary communicators and some really bad communicators that are out there. And so that's what scares me. I want to improve and I want to be better. And so today I want to share with you about 10 principles, just really quick things to maybe do a check and balance on. Ask yourself, can I improve in this area? Number, remember that it's our job as pastors, youth pastors, children's pastors, communicators of the gospel, it is our job to take a message and a book that is thousands of years old and make it relevant and effective for today. And and Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said, the people in the marketplace cannot learn the language of the academy, so the people in the academy must learn the language of the marketplace. That is why the pastor's primary task is preaching in, in preaching is to translate, that we have to make it understandable and bring it into today's culture and make it relevant for today. Um, Andy Stanley said this, as leaders, we are never responsible for filling anyone else's cup. Our responsibility is to empty ours. And a great picture as, as communicators of the gospel is we don't want to just come with a, with a cup full or a, or a bucket full and, and we study and we share that water. We want to study and develop ourselves to become a reservoir of God's word, God's goodness, um, that interaction with God and knowing the scriptures so that when we stand to minister, we minister from a reservoir and not just a bucket. I love what Fred Craddock said. He said, preach like you know they almost didn't come. 
come. In other words, I've got uh, today is going to be the day that maybe somebody walks into your church and it's they have never been in church. Maybe it's the first time they've been in church in 10 years and they're going to judge every church by the way you preach and by the message you communicate. No pressure, huh? No pressure. All right, let's talk about some key things we can do to improve our communication. Number one, are we continuing to improve on a weekly basis? Are we continuing to improve on a weekly basis? Calvin Miller said, becoming a great preacher is like becoming a great artist. It requires a life commitment that we're going to always be growing and advancing. And so I encourage you to go back and watch specifically. Listen is good, but it's better to watch a video. Watch and listen yourself preach. Examine yourself. And here's what I have, the three C's that I go through. Number one, celebrate what you did right that worked for you. Um, The second C is cut. Uh, what didn't work well, what do you need to avoid? What are the things that you need to cut? Maybe catch words. Maybe, maybe it's you're always looking down and you never were looking at the people. And as we've all learned doing live stream, we've had to learn to look at the camera. Even when our congregations come back, we still have a high percentage that are going to be watching online. And so we're going to help our eyes bounce. We're going to look at this section and then we're going to look at the camera. And then we're going to look over here at this section. Then we're going to go back and look at the camera because we have potentially hundreds and thousands watching through that lens. And then the third C is change. What could we do better? Where could we edit? How can we do a better job there? Um, And I would just challenge you that I know the routine of preaching week after week after week, that it can be easy to say, you know what, I'm just going to I'm just, I've got a good B sermon. I've got a, I've got a good B minus, a good B plus. I, 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 it's good enough. No, we need to deliver an A plus. We need to deliver how, how kids in school, you know, it's, it's a 4.0 system, but they end up graduating with a 4.5 because of all their, their honors and excelled classes. We want to deliver a message and a sermon and a talk that is on a 4.0 or higher to our congregation. And here's where I would challenge you. If you're aware of Life Church, I believe has 34 campuses around the country on any given weekend prior to the COVID-19, they're going to be running 90 some thousand plus people in all of their services across the nation. If Pastor Craig came to you and says, I want you to speak this Sunday, and he gave you a topic and you prepared an outline, I would ask you this, how much would you prepare to minister to 90,000 people in one 30-minute sermon? Well, I'm going to tell you, you're never going to preach to 1,000 or 10,000 or 90,000 until you start preparing and preaching like you are. So I would tell you, if you're a church of 50, Plan and prepare like you're preaching to a church of 500. If you're a church of 500, plan and prepare like you're preaching to a congregation of 5,000. And always be preaching ahead of where your crowd is at. Secondly, prepare every week as though Jesus Christ himself would be sitting on the front row listening. How intimidating would that be? That Jesus walks in and says, hey, go ahead. We say, no, we want you to come and share. He says, no, I came to hear you. I want you to share what I would share. 
and we need to be God's mouthpiece, his spokesperson. And so we need to be cautious that we're, we're not filling our sermons with our ideologies and our, and our perceptions, but we're sticking to the scriptures and we're representing accurately the presence of Almighty God. Number three, speak to all as if we're speaking to one and talk to the one, but look at the many. I'm going to say that again. Speak to all as if you are speaking to one and talk to the one, but look at the many. Simplifying it is, is who is the one person in the crowd that you're going to talk to today? What are their fears, their strengths, and their struggles? When you're writing your sermon notes and you're crafting your, your sermon outline, who in mind are you thinking that you're going to minister to? Their needs, their hurts, their wants. And what we want to do is we want to sit down and communicate from a stage and from a platform as though we were having a conversation that we were going to help and counsel and coach and mentor a personal friend. And then, as I said, create your grid that I'm not always going to preach. You'll find that you preach to where people are pulling the most. I am prone to preach towards the right, my right, which is the left section, because that's where my staff is. I know they love me, they're amening, and they're pulling on me, and you tend to go to where the people are pulling. Well, the people on the opposite side of the auditorium need to see and connect with your eyes and connect with you as you minister. Number four, be a real version of yourself, not a poor imitation of someone else. Be a real version of yourself, not a poor imitation of someone else. Um, you need to be comfortable as to who you are and don't try and be somebody else. Don't try and be a Stephen Furtick. Don't try and be a Craig Groeschel. Don't try and be an Andy Stanley. Be who you are. Be legitimate and be authentic and, and be comfortable on who you are. And, and God will use your gifts, your strength, and your communication style. Some of you are storytellers. Some of you are illustrated communicators. Some of you are more of a preacher than a teacher. When you stick to your gift, you're going to be the most effective. Number five, here's something I have done uh, clear back from my youth ministry days. Speak from the we perspective versus the you perspective. You see, if, if I'm teaching and I'm preaching and, and you need to do this and you need to grow and you need to witness, it comes across as maybe I'm not sticking my finger towards the camera as I am for those of you watching by video. Uh, maybe I'm not sticking my finger, but here's the way it comes across. You, you need to. And, and when you shift all of that verbiage to we, it's saying, hey, I'm, I'm on board with you. We're doing this together. When I say men, we need to guard our eyes. We need to be careful about what we view and what we watch online. Now I'm including myself and I'm saying, I'm on this journey and I'm on this road with you. When I say we need to pray more, I'm saying that I need to grow and I need to pray more and I'm not asking them to do something more than I'm asking myself to do. And so I've just found that it's a more palatable way to, to convey the message and specifically the challenge and the call to come up higher. 
Number six, monitor and adjust your pace, your face, your volume, and your length. Monitor and adjust your pace, your face, your volume, and your length. First area I want to talk about is pace. If we talk faster than the human mind can actually comprehend, they aren't going to get our message. Typically in a communication, in a podcast, speech kind of presentation, the range that we want to communicate at is approximately 140 to 180 words per minute is the target zone, somewhere in there. Uh, For example, the average speaker at a TED Talk falls right at about 163 words per minute. And if you want to check yourself, just take a recording and and start a start on the recording and and go forward one minute and then on a word document just type up the words that you had and then it will give you a word count within your document how many words per minute are you communicating if you're speaking too slow you're not going to maintain people's attention if you're communicating too fast they're going to give up and say, I can't keep up and I can't listen. And so we, I know some preachers, speakers, that they are speaking on the level of an auctioneer. And if you're pushing above that 200 mark into that 250 range, you're talking really fast, it, you're, you're going to be challenging the hearer to really hear and to listen what you're saying. Then the second area is our face. I remember uh, Pastor Joel Osteen talking to his dad many, many years ago when when Joel was the producer of the television program and he pulled his father into the studio and he turned on his Sunday sermon and he kept the volume down. And his father, John, said, "What, what are you doing? He said, watch your face. He said, you look angry. Now, the words you're saying are positive. The words you're saying are are life-giving, but look at the intensity. If you're watching, if you're not watching on video, you can see my my furled, my furled eyebrows, my my cringed face, and and am I smiling? And thus, Pastor Joel has been referred to as the smiling preacher. What is it? People will receive through a smile things much better than through a frown. And so we need to monitor our face. What is our face communicating? Is it matching and aligning with the words of our mouth? Secondly, the volume. I, I've listened to some, some speakers and I'm like, why are they yelling? Um, and, and, and why are they at such a higher volume? Because it sounds like they're mad. It sounds like they're angry. It's, it's an elevated volume. Now, one time it was as simple for me years ago, I was, my wife actually said, she said, why does it seem like you're yelling? Well, the way our auditorium and stage was set up, I couldn't hear myself. And when you can't hear yourself, you tend to go to a volume where you can. And so the simple reaction was, is they just put a little bit of my voice in the stage monitors and it made me feel comfortable in that I was being My voice was being broadcast and heard. And then monitor your length. 
We've heard it said for many, many years and decades of, of ministry and communication, leave people wanting more versus wishing you had stopped. And I would tell you one of my greatest struggles still to this day, 39 years into preaching, is nailing the time frame, developing the sermon, the outline, and the message to fit the time frame that is allotted. I've had nightmares and dreams of not having enough material and being done and like, uh-oh. I've, I've had dreams of losing my notes or my iPad didn't work and, and I didn't know what was next. And But we have to really be meticulous on dialing in our content of our preparation and, and, and to, to fit the allotted time. Now, I speak uh, approximately, my goal is 30 minutes plus an inv- ministry and invitation time. And I have learned by the, by the way I set up my notes in a Word document and I load them onto my iPad, I preach from an iPad, I know by the number of pages of notes I know approximately the length. Now I have, I don't do a word for word. I do an outline, a very detailed outline so that I can look and glance, look and glance so that I can communicate the word of God and, and see that outline. And so I've, I've had to learn. And there are some times that I've, I've got more information than I do time. Well, you just have to learn. We can pick up here next week. All right, number seven, give your staff and your spouse permission to edit your presentation. Um, We have three services, and uh, often my wife or my staff will come and say, Pastor, don't say that next service. Now, I am glad that they're coming to, to help me make a better presentation, but sometimes our pride can get in the way and we're not humble and we're not teachable. So I tell my staff, if you hear me say anything, or sometimes I don't even realize I said something or got my words turned around and they'll come and say, Pastor, you turned that around. You meant it to be a positive, but you delivered it as a negative. Be careful next service. Or they'll, they'll tell me, hey, you're saying this too much too often. And so give them permission to speak into your life. Number eight, master the art of storytelling. Now, there are multiple ways that stories can be told. I can share the story. I can share a personal story. I can share your story. I can have you record that story and we put it on video and we'll work it into the sermon. Or in the middle of my sermon, I can have you come up and share that story. Now, one of the things we do to keep it narrowed to time and so that we don't get away is we ask people to read, to write down, and then we help them uh, facilitate the writing of their story and we have them come up and read their story because then it keeps us on track and on time and then it helps them if it's emotional if there's if there's um, some some tears or, or different things that might come in sharing their story it always gives them a place to go back and to keep on track but in, in sharing stories, here's what stories do. They help us cross all boundaries of age and culture and society. And stories teach us the morals, the values, the biblical principles without maybe sharing a chapter and a verse from scripture. Stories help people understand and connect to a biblical truth. Stories help people relate to us when we're vulnerable and we share a behind the scenes story about us and our life. 
And then when we hear a story, it validates the truth of God's word. When we hear someone share their story of healing or God meeting and providing their needs or, or God's peace in the middle of the storm, it gives the rest of us hope to go, if God did it for them, he's no respecter of persons. He will do it for me. And then a story helps put a face upon the truth that we see and know that God's word did work. And here's how God ministered to them. And, and it's not just a story that the pastor tells, but we're seeing that person share and communicate um, that story. And then number nine, we have to interject humor. Humor, uh, uh, Proverbs 17 says, a cheerful heart is, is good like a medicine. That humor makes people put down their, their guard, opens their heart. And so the way I, I convey it is, is I like to use stories and, and uh, humor to open people's hearts, ha, 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 ha. And when their hearts are open through the humorous story, then I'm able to insert the valuable truth and principle from God's word. So here's the way I would say it. Humor gives us access to the listener's heart. Humor will help us break down the ice and helps people to relax and get comfortable. And then humor can be displayed through maybe a funny video, a photo, a quote, or a story. And it helps people to identify and relate to us when we tell humorous stories or, or dumb things that we did, that when we can laugh at ourselves, it helps other people to say, I don't need to be too uptight and too stringent upon myself when I make mistakes. And then lastly, serve a well-rounded meal. What do I mean by that? Our challenge is, as communicators of the gospel, is that on any given service where we are preaching and communicating, we have a non-believer who is there in service. We have a baby believer who is just getting started in their walk with God. We have a child that is beginning to take some steps and advancement in, the, in their walk and relationship with God. We have what I would call a young adult that, man, they're really beginning to mature. And then we would have the, the parent, the reproducing Christians, the, the parent, the mature believers that are in the house. Well, how do you convey and how do you keep the attention of someone who is, is of all these different personality types that are in the service, that someone who is not even born again, and, and to the mature believer who has heard a teaching on faith and prayer and grace and love and forgiveness umpteen thousand times, how do you communicate to all of those in one service? Here's, here's what I love that Todd Clark said. He said, shallow preaching and teaching is simple, but simple preaching and teaching is very difficult. Keeping it simple. I can convey truths from God's word that will challenge the mature believer, but if I keep it simple enough and break it down enough, it's very clear for the baby and the child believer as well. And so our goal is to deliver a clear simple, concise message that entices the unbeliever, educates the young believer, and challenges the mature believer. 
And so if we think of a full course meal, especially for those of you who live in the north and milk is served often with your, your supper, as it might be called, or dinner, as we might say in other parts of the nation, we need milk at dinner for the baby believer. We need vegetables for the child believer. We need meat for the mature believer. And of course, we have to have some dessert for the non-believer. And so I'm going to do things in service that I'm that the mature believer is going to go, I don't know why he does that. I don't know why he shares that illustration. I, I fully understood it when he said it. He didn't need to show it to us. Why was I showing and demonstrating it? Not for that mature believer. I was doing it to capture the attention and to throw some icing on that and some dessert so it would capture that non-believer and help them go, oh, I get it. And so we have to decide if we are going to feed the sheep or if we're trying to impress the Pharisees, the religious people. And I know that often pastors feel an intimidation that I have to impress those individuals who are highly mature, and they're going for a very small percentage of their congregation, unless your congregation is made up of mostly mature believers. But if you're preaching to that level, if a new believer, non-believer, baby believer comes in, they're going to be choked by the word of God, and they're not, and they're not going to leave filled and, and like they have received anything that would feed them to get them through the week. They choked on the meat of the word, and it wasn't broken down in simple truth. All right, we're going to pick up here next month in July on uh, improving our communication skills. And I'm going to break some things down to you that's really going to help you understand the different types and kinds of people and how they hear, how they learn, how they listen. And so I hope you'll join us next month. Check out DeanHawk.com for all of our free sermon resources to help you as you minister to your congregation. God bless you guys. We'll see you next month. Thank you for joining us today. For a free sermon series and teaching outlines by Pastor Dean, visit us at deanhawk.com. Be sure and join us next month as we continue our growth on leadership.